Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Today, I'm joined by Phil Garthwaite. Phil is the founder and CEO of Iris TV. Uh, Iris TV, really interesting company. Uh, known really well in, in our space and kind of streaming TV, but... Um, Probably not to the wider audience, probably the first time maybe you heard about them. Uh, really interesting. They are helping you know, bring contextual targeting and measurement uh, to streaming TV. They solve a bunch of problems with you know, things that we took for granted, linear TV that you're able to do around content and adjacency. And um, yeah, really interesting conversation. A couple months ago, uh, I got to see Field give a, a talk to Sim. Uh, you'll remember Sim from uh, a couple weeks ago. We had John Watts on, on the pod and you know, really went deep on the challenge the marketers face and publishers. Uh, and then we connected that here to another thing we've talked a lot about the news newsletter of, uh, you know, overall the ad market is projected to grow, you know, 4% a year. Um, even as the total number of impressions on video drop because of the lower ad loads on streaming compared to, um, to linear TV. And so, you know, I've always made the argument, well, if, if, if there's gonna be more ad revenue in TV, but there's gonna be fewer ad impressions, you know, CPMs have to go up a lot, right? And that's one of the things I probably get the most pushback on from people that definitely on the ad sales side, that they're just having a lot of trouble um, making that argument to buyers. And Field really tied this together in two ways. One, talked about what technology like the Iris ID uh, could help with that. Um, and two, you know, we talked about recently in the news, you know, the kind of the YouTube measurement mess, uh, which we won't get, we dive into on the pod, but really how that also negatively impacts the overall market. Cause it gives people this false perception that this lower cost inventory is an equal value to, uh, this higher quality, uh, inventory and when in fact it's not, and that's, uh, probably a big disconnect that's keeping, some publishers should be able to charge what they should be able to charge for their inventory. So I really enjoyed the conversation. I know you are as well. Um, so enjoy the talk. All right, Phil, welcome to Screen Wars. Hey, great to see you. Yeah, and I'm excited about this talk. Uh, I, I saw a talk that you gave to Sim a few months ago, and, and we had John Watson on, the, on the, the pod a few weeks ago. The best. Uh, and you went really John in depth Watts about the great. problem. Yeah, actually, uh, we got it went all over the place. I mean, we ended up talking about European soccer, and uh, <laughs> it was really interesting. You know, kind of give us the overall story with with Iris uh, TV and kind of what problem you solve. Yeah, so Iris TV is a video data platform. Um, it, it's unique uh, in that, like, our core technology is very similar to a web page URL. It's it's a content identifier for streaming, and it's called the Iris ID. And uh, in short, what Iris TV is doing is making video data accessible to buyers, sellers, and then, you know, kind of at the end of the day, it impacts consumers um, to basically have better fidelity data on what's being viewed, which can help to drive better viewing experiences. So we have a, a recommendation engine, uh, and we also have um, a lot of products being built off the Iris ID around uh, contextual targeting, things like measurement that help you to actually understand what's being viewed so that you can actually make sure the right advertising is aligned with the right content. Uh, so like, who's your ideal customer? 
So we really have two customers. Um, we work uh, directly with content owners, broadcasters, streamers, um, big streaming platforms like uh, Vizio or LG, right? Kind of which are becoming the new uh, kind of like, you know, almost like the new cable companies, right? Because they kind of like put everything together on the screen. Um, and then we also um, work with uh, data companies. Um, so we really act as this kind of, um, uh, you know, middleware, kind of this infrastructure player that helps connect the content owners, all their videos uh, to all of these different data products for contextual, uh, emotional data, um, which is something I'm really excited to talk more about. Um, things like logo recognition, brand suitability, um, you know, basically at that exact moment. So you can actually understand uh, when you're running an ad um, using these, you know, leading data companies that, you know, are the best in the world um, from, you know, Oracle to GumGum to Pixability to IAS. Um, these companies are the ones that um, really are investing heavily in great technology on computer vision. They break down the videos, they'll look at the frame by frame, they'll look at the audio, and then they create standardized segments. So you actually get the same data segment across thousands of publishers and streams and, and billions or tens of billions of, of ad, available ad inventory of people watching family, you know, at that moment. So if you're, you know, 1-800-Flowers, you can actually reach people watching family right up before Mother's Day at scale, right? Like a billion viewers at that exact moment that it's gonna be relevant to them. So we really act um, as kind of that infrastructure between the content owners and the data companies to then make all of that signal available on the ad platforms. So say I'm a buyer trying to kind of utilize your product. Is it um, something I do it through a DSP or what's the, what's the process look like? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it really kind of depends on the way that the, the buyer is activating. So we have integrations with, with ad servers. Um, so direct deals um, and a lot of um, buying is done this way. Um, can be activated, you know, directly, you know, through to the publisher's ad server. Um, we do have integrations there, um, and that allows the the content owner to package and sell their inventory. So I gave one example, right? But like, um, you know, let's say you're Kohl's, right? And you kind of want to reach consumers, you know, at scale. And you know that like when they're watching baseball, right? Or when they're watching, you know, kind of cooking content, that's incredible time for the messaging and the type of sale that you have going on in the store. Um, you can you can do that. You can do that directly with a content owner. Um, but we also work with the SSPs to package uh, what are called uh, PMP deals or private marketplace deals. Kind of that same thing. You can actually reach consumers when they're watching uh, cooking content across multiple publishers at once. And, and we do that with, um, you know, all the leading platforms out there from from Magnite to Xander. Um, and then you can buy it through DSPs. Um, we're just starting to roll out direct DSP integrations with the, uh, the Iris ID um, to enable the data partners that we have um, built on top of it to be available. So products like, you know, contextual targeting can now be available in the DSP. Um, but to date, most of the activation is happening through PMPs. Um, and we're expecting that to continue just because that's such a, a big channel for connected TV buying. Um, but it's all three. Anywhere you kind of you buy your CTV ads, you can access this data. Um, as long as there's an iris ID on the the bid request. That's interesting. So when I look at it, you know, we have a, you know, obviously, you know, people doing you know, data driven linear and things like that for a while. And, you know, you get a rating and you get a content library and you, you figure out, you know, at 8 p.m. on TBS on you know, Monday night, it was this show. 
Um, obviously, streaming doesn't have that. And it seems like a lot of the people we work with, that breakdown of not knowing that causes a ton of friction. Is that kind of what you're seeing in the market? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hear that from buyers um, all the time, right? And like kind of the the common refrain is that, hey, I had this on television, right? I should have the exact same data in CTV, right? Kind of that's like the, the buyer expectation. Um, often for folks who are kind of like newer to that environment and CTV is new, right? So it's not something that's been around for, for you know, decades like television. Um, but there's a couple complications um, that come into play. Uh, the reporting kind of that a TV buyer expects, um, they, they'll often buy, you know, based on identity or, you know, kind of they'll buy, you know, a, a programmer that they really kind of want to purchase inventory from. And um, they'll understand kind of where they ran or they'll do some type of package where they're purchasing certain types of inventory, um, you know, as, as kind of like a bulk buy. Um, and that information that they get on where they ran is, is pretty easy for the, the content owner to manage, right? There's, you know, 100,000 slates, you know, in terms of places that they could run like that year, you know, it's like kind of in the hundreds of thousands, it's, it's not that much scale in terms of the actual avails and like, you know, units, right, that are available compared to streaming, which is uh, closer to a digital medium in that every individual household is seeing a totally unique stream. It's on demand. They're watching it, you know, when they're tuning into AVOD or they're tuning into a fast channel just because they turn their TV on, they're scrolling um, or they're have a subscription service that, that offers advertising and both the content and the ad placement are unique to that, that user and that household. And um, there's just a lot more complexity and sharing the same level of data. Um, like, so going back to that show episode, right? Kind of the example you shared, um, that's actually been um, something that's, that's illegal um, due to this law called the, the Video Privacy Protection Act. Um, and it's something that kind of prohibits the sharing of personally identifiable information. So Michael, you know, your address, your email, even your, your IP address um, is kind of argued as like art that is kind of personally identifiable. And then the, um, the other side of it is, is program information. So actually sharing those two together is a big problem. You know, this industry, those are often things that you'd expect to be coming through together from the digital side, right? There's always a, a URL and people are targeting, you know, based on the identity and IP address and um, IDs, you know, all day long. And so streaming kind of has this unique um, challenge where this data hasn't been available and um, it's been prohibited. There's like 70 of these class action lawsuits going on right now. It's, it's like a very hot topic. Um, and the best way to basically limit liability as a content owner and also provide buyers with the transparency they're looking for and the ability to actually like use the actual content and you know contextual nature and like emotion and things like that to target is to um, hash that data. And the way you can hash that data is using a content ID. Um, and this is one of the major reasons that we created the Iris ID is that you have um, all of this information stored in one identifier. It really acts technologically similarly to a URL. It's passed through on the ad call, but, but all of the information about that piece of content, um, which would be like the contextual segments, the emotional segments, logos, things of that nature, um, that's all stored on the ID, but, it, but it, it's not made available unless it's actually contracted. So we hold that information very close to the chest on behalf of the content owners, and then we make sure it's available in kind of you know, the environments that are gonna help them generate more revenue and not just be something that's 
you know, made available, it's going to violate some privacy law from the 80s or made available. And then DSPs are, you know, uh, learning from that and then cherry picking their inventory. We're very careful um, about how we manage the data to prevent those types of issues, because generating more revenue for content owners is really core to what we do. So how does that work? You know, it, it, using the content owner use case, what what's like an ideal um, use case for a content owner working with you? So the um, the main use cases have been to date like in programmatic, um, and then they're they're starting to turn over into um, direct use cases, right? So uh, major kind of auto brand or you know kind of big big tech company is is using contextual segments to make sure that their messaging aligns with moments that are you know kind of relevant to that piece of ad creative to that campaign to the brand overall uh kind of overall driving awareness and so um the number one way that we're seeing publishers kind of opt into this is by participating in private marketplace deals that are being purchased at, at large scale and then increasingly um, we're starting to see publishers actually package it up directly and start to offer um, you know, all of the inventory on LG is going to be very different than, you know, the inventory on AMC networks, right? They're going to have different types of content getting viewed. That's going to vary by season, but really it varies by the content. That's, that's all we do is, is content. Um, so the packages of segments that, um, you know, an AMC networks can offer compared to like an LG or a Vizio or, you know, you name it, um, they're going to be different and it's going to be based on where they have the most scale. And so that's a technique that a lot of um, sellers are starting to see as a means to help them uh, increase, you know, kind of um, the the reach of a campaign. Um, so if someone's, you know, trying to buy niche audience segments, right, and they they have certain audience segments, but they're also, you know, open to being contextually aligned with content that there's a lot of available inventory for. That's really helping sales teams to make sure that they can uh, fulfill campaigns and that, you know that sale doesn't go to someone else like, like a YouTube, right? So um, that's, a, that's a, the biggest use case right now. Um, and we're, we're excited. We're introducing a lot of new capabilities around the data that um, we'll be announcing. And all of those are being kind of introduced in close collaboration with the content owners. Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, we write about a lot in the newsletter is um, you're kind of the you're taking Wall Street's expectations on the the video ad market, and they've got you know the TV market growing, you know about four percent a year out into you know, the late 2020s. But as the share of time goes from linear to streaming, the ad loads dropping so much that you know we're losing about eight percent of the impressions a year. And so to to square that, we're like, well, if if people aren't watching that much more TV than they did before, the month the revenue is going up, but the impressions are going down. Then CPMs kind of naturally have to be much higher in streaming than linear for that to work. And I, I get a lot of pushback on that from people like, we just can't get buyers to to budge. You know, they do these package deals, you know, and they charge the same for the linear and the streaming are, are close, even though it's got, you know, 75% less ad, of an ad load. Do you see content owners that utilize the Iris ID, are they able to drive up CPMs? And, and if so, like what, give us an idea on that. Yeah, so um, there's two, two examples I give in terms of like how to increase CPMs. And then like, um, then I also want to do like a little bit of a knock on, uh, on YouTube for a second. Um, so the, um, the kind of primary ways that, that we've been used to help increase CPMs, um, comes down to either 
um, improving performance and kind of the emotional resonance and the actual impact of a campaign. Um, and so let's talk about that first. The, the ability to kind of use what, what we call video level data, right? So actually understanding what's happening in that TV show or in that movie or in that video clip at that moment when the ad's running, um, it's, a, it's a new data set. You're able to actually tap into the moment, right? And, and kind of that exact, you know, kind of frame of mind that the consumer's in. And if we all kind of sit back for a second and think about, you know, when are we watching TV? It's when we're relaxing, you know, we're with a loved one, we're with our kid, we're, you know, um, alone catching up on like our favorite show that, you know, um, our partner doesn't like to watch, right? Whatever it is, right? We're in, we're in the mindset that um, is very specific to that moment. And we're spending time with the content. It's very different than scrolling. It's very different than being on a web page. Um, and this is why that inventory is so valuable. It, it really is kind of the ability to tap into mindset, which is, is now possible. You have the big screen, and then you have these capabilities with video level data to tap into mindset. And it's been proven that if you can actually align ad creative with the content that's being viewed when consumers are in that particular mindset, it drives performance. Um, and so Magna and IPG put out some research on this. Um, around kind of the, the performance of mindset. And they, they had some really surprising uh, findings um, that kind of counter a lot of the way that we think about buying digital advertising and kind of the importance of identity. Um, and so some of those things were like the increase in search intent, things like uh, brand recall, things like unaided ad recall, and even sales. Um, that was an amazing study that they did with GumGum um, but the GumGum has a, a, a terrific product called Verity that really does unbelievable computer vision analysis. And so that, that study was kind of some early findings around kind of like this importance. And there's more research coming out uh, about this, about things like the impact that happens if you don't, you know, kind of uh, have that type of um, alignment, right? There's things like negative sentiment, right? Which is actually worse than, than kind of running the ad at all. And those are things that um, are, are, you know, kind of few and far between, right? Right. But it, the point is that different messages from different creatives and advertisers are going to be a fit at a different moment. And it might even be a sad moment, you know, kind of like in a movie, but there's a, there's actually kind of like joy as well in that moment. And there's, there is relevant advertising that can appeal to that. That's kind of also just hitting that same emotional chord. And that actually drives recall and it drives favorability and awareness because they're so attuned to that moment in the content that if the advertising matches that, you actually have the highest quality attention. And so that is driving performance, it's driving the outcomes um, and the things that people want from TV advertising, um, which kind of goes back to that old adage, you know, I, I know 50% of my advertising is being wasted, but I don't know it's 50%. Um, we're really starting to help kind of actually uh, know where, where to spend more, right? Kind of where to pour, pour those dollars into. And, and those segments aren't necessarily always the kind of most available, right? Like the the content around college basketball um or you know and the actual tournament kind of uh footage that's available that paramount selling there's also then a lot of like clips and things out there and you can target those types of moments in college basketball in and around the tournament and that's inventory that's going to be very high in demand right and it's going to be a high price point right during that period and the same goes with kind of other things that um are high in demand just like certain identity segments when there's kind of low available supply the price goes up um, so we're very focused on doing more research in that area with our partners, um, publishers, data partners, ad platforms to just kind of put out kind of like the, the value in the ROI. So we're 
we're excited that we're kind of like cooking up a few things right now that are um, really meaningful, just kind of reinforcing that magnet research. And the second area that is really um, unique is that there's um, been growing concerns kind of in CTV around like, hey, I don't know where my ad's running. And um, this is this is something that um, uh, there was some research talking about, you know, kind of liquor running in kids' ads or, you know, political, you know, content running in, in cartoons, just things that um, historically have been illegal, right, in television. Um, this new format has been, you know, growing so quickly and there's so many avails that are all programmatically targeted, it's hard to control. So um, for the kind of suitability side of that, what we found um, is that tons of news inventory is getting blocked, tons of it's getting filtered out. Um, and similarly, like content that has like, you know, high risk of guns or things like that, like those are, are pretty small select moments in an overall kind of piece of content. Um, and news in particular is one that's like vilified and just like overblocked. Everyone just thinks back to that. Um, it wasn't Arby's. It was, who was that? Like, uh, do you remember this example on CNN? Oh yeah. There've been, well, yeah, there've been a lot countless of those the last couple of years, but uh, we're going to remember the brand because it's just like a, yeah. such a hilarious ad creative for that moment. I was like, yeehaw America. But um, that, that type of example is one of this is kind of like, you know, led to overblocking of news. We've done research and Oracle's published uh, the Oracle contextual intelligence unit has published research on this, that 97% of news is safe. So there's a ton of content out there that is like when consumers are here to consume information, news has been proven to be one of the best mediums to actually drive sales. And most of it is safe. So by being able to kind of identify the small percentage of inventory that's not safe and not aligned with, you know, maybe it's death and injury and news related to COVID, um, whatever it is that's concerning to a particular brand, that inventory can get filtered out. And the, the kind of rest of the inventory is super high value and um, is helping to dramatically increase revenue uh, for, for some news publishers. So those are the two areas that I'd mention. And Last thing on that is the the premium price point that's paid to you know content owners that are like all the broadcasters that we know and and now some of these new OEMs platforms like Roku um, they deserve those premium price points because they have some of the best content in the world right that they and they are able to align it with data um, and kind of you know that you're getting a quality experience they're now introducing video level data and a level of transparency that's unprecedented. And it's in stark contrast to YouTube, which um, is kind of just driving, trying to drive the lowest possible CPM and trying to sell through on tonnage. You have, you know, guarantees that you're kind of a long brand suitable content. But then what we just found out from that research that the Wall Street Journal released like two weeks ago is that um, those guarantees are pretty hollow, right? Yeah. They, they make you opt out at the last minute from buying the Google network you know, there's no content that the ads are running against. It's just, you know, playing on pages, it's sound off and it's going back three years. So if you're a movie studio and they all buy a ton of YouTube and you were buying a lot of YouTube, those impressions that didn't have sound on were running on kind of network sites counted towards kind of your overall reach and frequency measurement against a household and a user. And you know, it takes five to 10 impressions to get someone in a seat in a movie theater but now you don't know, you know, how much of that was waste. And so I think um, overall as an industry, there should be a much stronger push 
to pull back spend from these environments that are opaque and don't leverage things like video level data, because you really have no idea where your ad's running and if it's even alongside of content. And that's in stark contrast from all the companies that we work with. Yeah, I thought that research was kind of bonkers for a couple of reasons. I mean, we had um, Mike Shields on a couple months ago and he wrote a piece about you know, the YouTube ad market kind of flattening out and, and we talked a lot about it, but one, um, like you said, the complexity created on the buy side to where they made it really hard to not you know, include that inventory. Um, and there it's was an opt out of, model, you know, not an opt in model. Yeah. yeah. And if you wanted a certain type of target measurement, then an automatic, you got to opt it in. But even then kind of digging into the measurement partners, that was a question that kind of came up under the surface. Well, how did the, all the measurement partners not catch this and the way that it set up, I think ad exchanger went deep on it where they basically prohibit the measurement partner even having enough data to even find out that was happening. Uh, and it's the same old story when it's mediated by the platform and there actually isn't yeah. the ability to like, you know, I think what ad exchanger called out is like, it's, there's not pixeling happening, right. You know, yeah. which is kind of how it's done on the web. Like there's no, there's not a, an Iris ID on every single YouTube video. There should be right. Yeah. But there's not right. And so like without that level of transparency, um, it's, and if it's managed only by the platform, you're just trusting the platforms then then yeah, you end up with a subpar product. But like back to the, the, the big picture question about the market. So, you know, I talk to people and I'm always like, you know, the CPMs have got to go up by you know, X percent to just keep the market flat. And, you know, one of the feedbacks, like we just can't get the buyer to increase. We're, we're competing with a CPM like YouTube. Right. And so because people are kind of like, well, why does this matter so much that uh, they did this? And I said, well, they're actually harming the market because a really high quality producer can't go in and get 40 or $50 a CPM, which they should because of the, you know, the tech and the, the the content, all those things, because they're competing with like a twenty dollar or fifteen dollar CPM over here, or much much lower, yeah, much lower. But that is actually not real, right? But they've made it almost impossible for people to figure it out, and so it, it actually Correct. it has a big impact on the market. I think that people miss that for sure. Yeah, no, that's why I think it's important uh, to call it out, right, and and to call out when people are trying to like sell make believe, right, because it's not the same thing, and it's really important that everyone knows it's not the same thing. Again, right? Like people create models to understand what is the kind of the amount of impressions and the amount of time that someone needs to, you know, understand my product. How many TV ads I need to have awareness to like actually then go drive a sale or drive, you know, a lease of a car. And if that is all out the window and you have no, no idea if they even, you know, saw it or, if, you know, the sound was on, then kind of how, you, how do you bring the science kind of that there's been so much investment into, um, you know, like every MMM model, you know, has to be questioned at that point. Right. And kind of, um, that's why it just goes back to your point. I think you're right. It's something that really does screw up the market. And it's, um, something that like the premium side takes the hit, right. And kind of like they're everyone's target right now, even though like the entertainment companies that we depend on for all the shows we love, right. All the news we love. Um, that's something that like, um, yeah, I think, I think both they need to put less content on YouTube. And I think people on the buy side need to be smarter about what, what knowing about what they get on YouTube, right. And that it's not the same. Uh, big picture, you know, where do you want Iris TV to be in five years? So something that's really exciting, you know, for us is, um, just like the general technology capability, video level data, right. There's, there's, um, many advances going on in AI right now. Um, those, um, do also impact the types of models that our data partners use. So the, the types of models that our data partners use are getting better and better. 
Um, and I, I mentioned this, but um, there's kind of like uh, introduction of things like emotions, like um, logos um, and other types of data sets that are kind of getting um, built around video level data. And so um, one part of what we'd like to see over the next five years is that people treat video in the same way that they do kind of social um, in that um, uh, like they, sorry, search and, and really I think um, search and even YouTube and kind of the way that they're buying the contextual nature and kind of trying to own certain categories, certain channels. Um, but just going kind of even more into the digital side, when you think about search, um, search is a, is a medium that um, it's always on. It's something that you're, you're kind of like buying so you can be directly aligned with either the, the key terms, right? Um, key search queries, right? Um, and, and other kind of key elements that you know are, are gonna be affiliated with your brand. In the same way, if you know what those are and you actually can, can buy those same kind of topics, those emotions, those, those sentiments, those exact kind of moments, um, and that can be always on and you can make sure that you're affiliated with those anytime a consumer is sitting down and in the right mindset for video that's really where we'd like to see this go um and the reason that that's so important is because we think that, that unlocks the the performance and kind of the um search and social advertisers investing more heavily in ctv um that's you know uh 180 billion dollar market there's like 9 million advertisers we, we all know that, you know, the Fortune 1000 are going to continue to buy TV. That's going to transition into video and streaming and, you know, what's now largely being called just CTV. But the, the performance side of the market is, is really important. Um, and the other thing that we'd like to see happen is um, incorporation of our data into ad creative so that you can actually um, the type of creative intelligence um, that some companies have started to, to create. Um, we want to see that happening using the same computer vision AI to understand, okay, what emotion is my ad creative? And then actually matching that again, kind of, if you have a ad creative and you kind of know what the emotions are, and then you can reach a billion, you know, kind of impressions a month of those same exact emotions. And I'm talking about like a mix, right? Not just one. Um, we know that that's been proven to drive sales, been proven to proven to drive recall. And that's something that I think um, would help to align with a lot of industry creatives and the actual creative side of the industry where there's all this work that goes into creative and often the handoff from creative to media is really hard, right? Especially if you have more and more creative. So I think introducing some, some automation and some tools that, that humans can leverage to help to understand the nature of the video content and then make sure that they're then aligning that message with the right content. That's really where we'd like to see this go. Um, not only just because it, you know, drives great outcomes, but I, it's going to reward the best content, right? It's going to reward the content that really evokes emotions. And going back to your earlier point, that's, that's where then they're going to be able to, you know, justify those, those high CPMs, um, you know, as they should. All right. We'll get you out here on one more question. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the video measurement space, what would it be and why? Video measurement is pretty big. Which part of the video measurement space? Or you just tell uh, you me? Pick. I, I maybe focus on TV in general or, or streaming. Just, um, you know, you, you get to pick here. Well, I think um, the big debate right now between, you know, kind of like panel, right? And then actual data, um, you know, I think there's 
not a lot of people that don't that believe that like data and kind of having scaled access to information is, is going to win. Um, but it's, it's something that you need to be um, kind of really careful about, right? So I think the, the thing that I'd like to see, um, maybe Matt Juwan is like everyone who's offering, uh, you know, measurement um, to actually be able to kind of like measure on the same set of criteria, right? So that then it's actually like equal ground across Nielsen so that then this headache goes away and stops seeing the same thing that everyone talks about, like year after year after year. Um, yeah. That'd be one. And then uh, two, we'd like to see things like uh, the video level data incorporated in those solutions, right? And that, um, just like we were talking earlier about like contextual or emotion, if you can introduce those as part of like an always on part of your buy, right? Where you're not just targeting households and guessing who's watching the screen because there's, you know, two and a half to four people in every household and you don't know who's watching at a given time. So part of your buy is contextual, you know, who's, you know, what's being viewed at that moment you make sure you're tapping into mindset and then you can measure that. Um, we'd love to see video level data incorporated in all those solutions. And so that's, um, that's a big lift. So we're, we're starting to work on that, but you know, one piece at a time, but, um, but yeah, I think I'll just start with what everyone wants, which is everyone kind of agreeing on the same, uh, data set so that there is, you know, compatibility and it's not such a nightmare for buyers where one client wants to use one and another client wants to use other. And oh, sure. No one can talk. Um, so yeah, I think my wish is the same as everyone else's on that one. All right, Phil, we were talking before uh, the pod and you got some exciting news to share with us. Yeah. Hey, um, the the kind of exciting news that, that just came out is that um, the Iris ID um, is now being incorporated into um, uh, kind of the primary channel of CTV buying for, for Group M. Um, they're really focusing on leveraging video level data and this new data set as they kind of help clients navigate the investment and shift from TV and into CTV. Um, and they've really honed in on video level data because they recognize the differences um, that, that clients are gonna have when they go from you know, a medium like television where everyone's seeing the same content, um, you know, it's a one-to-many broadcast to, to digital and CTV where it's you know, everyone's you know, seeing unique content on the home, it's all on demand. There's you know, billions of potential streams of where that content could be. Um, so yeah, we're very excited about this partnership and kind of enabling um, our contextual data partners and the brand suitability data partners to help kind of unlock significantly more investment in the CTV ecosystem um, and all the Iris enabled partners that we work with. Yeah, that's huge. Congratulations. Thanks. Well, Field, I'm grateful for your time. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I know our audience is going to love it as well. Great to be here. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about Cross Screen Media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.